Hey, welcome to the table. This is a place where we like to set and discuss biblical-based kingdom concepts and principles and how they apply to your everyday life. We try to teach you uh, how to apply the Bible in practical ways that are beneficial to your spiritual growth. And on this episode, we are going to be discussing two words. Be strong. Now, I'm not talking about what the world would say is strength. I'm talking about biblical-based, kingdom concept and principle-based strength. I'm talking about what we read in our Bible from the beginning to the end is constantly given the command, be strong. It's hard to be something you don't have an understanding of what it is. And so today on this episode, we are going to be discussing why it was so important that God told those of the Old Testament from Moses and then Moses to Joshua and Joshua to the genealogy that followed to David. And David, as he's dying, he, he leaves the command with his son to be a man. But then he tells him, be strong. And then you get into the New Testament, and in the New Testament, it's what Jesus taught the disciples, and the disciples taught their disciples, and Paul taught Timothy. In fact, Paul tells Timothy, who's pastoring the largest church at the time, my son, be strong. So what does that mean, and how, to, how do we apply that to our lives? What is the, the kingdom principle, the kingdom benefit to us today to learn how to be strong. Well, grab your journal, your, your notebook, your paper, your pen, your pencil, and get ready because here at the table today, you're going to be equipped with a word that I believe is going to change your life. Let's dive in and learn what it means to be strong. Man, it seems like it has been forever since I've got to join you all at the table. And this is a really timely episode for me personally, uh, and I believe it's going to be for you practically as well. So recently, I just spent a stay uh, at the hospital, and so that's why it's been a couple weeks since you've got to enjoy an episode here on the podcast. Um and everything's all good now. Health is all restored. But in the midst of that, I came across the devotion that had this scripture that really just rocked me. And it made me think a lot about the kingdom concepts and principles of what it means to be strong. Because we see this over and over in the word of God. And so often I think that we live so much by our emotion and how we feel that we fail to look at the relevancy or the practicality of what God is trying to teach us in Scripture. And so sometimes we read things like the words be strong, and we say, well, I really don't feel strong, so I am not going to be strong. Or we base our strength on things of this world that's ever-shifting and constantly changing. And so when our world is shaken or our emotions are shifted, so goes our strength in following. And so that is an unbiblical definition of biblical strength. And so we're going to dive into that a little bit today. And so I also looked at the lives of those that Jesus said constantly 
Uh, and the Lord spoke to those in the Old Testament with this command of being strong. And sometimes he spoke that to them in their weakest moments of life. And so where I've been uh, the past month of my life, I could really relate to that because physically my strength was not up to par. But spiritually, man, I really felt what they were saying. Uh, and so I really begin to dissect uh, this verse that I came across, which I'm about to share with you um, in my devotion. And I, I tore this verse apart, and the Lord showed me seven kingdom principles uh, concerning what it means to be kingdom or Bible-based, biblically-based, strong. So let's dive into this without further ado, and I hope this blesses you as it has blessed me today. And so you find Timothy, uh, who was the pastor, as I said, of the largest church of his day. Um, he, he was the pastoring the church of Ephesus, and this was the church that everyone wanted to go to. Uh, and there was a lot of people of prominence that went to this church. Um, there was also a lot of issues that was going on in this church. There was a lot of leadership things that Timothy was addressing, and he was young. Paul had started the work in Ephesus and handed it off to his spiritual son, Timothy, and Timothy is now starting to feel a little bit like a failure. I don't know if you can ever relate to that, uh, because he's got some problems going on underneath him in his church that he did not foresee to uh, coming. He didn't plan or, or prepare. And so now he's got all kinds of things that he's dealing with and he's given the instruction to be strong. And I'm going to pause there because sometimes I think we ask things of people that they do not know how to give. Sometimes we expect love from someone that doesn't have a concept or an understanding of what love love is. They've never really been shown godly, Christ-like love. And so they're only modeling the methods that they see, that they've known. And so if you, for example, if you grew up in a home and you your parents were uh, good parents or or even bad parents, uh, but they didn't grow up in a good godly structure. They don't know how to give you something that they've never seen before. So this is why we have to have so much understanding and application of grace and mercy and forgiveness. And I would just say, extend to the people around you the same grace, grace mercy, and forgiveness that you would want them to extend to you. Because listen, you're figuring things out in life as you go too. And you're going to make some mistakes and you're, you're going to fail on this journey called life. And that's the beautiful thing about grace, mercy, and forgiveness is it's this. It's, it's us maturing to stay at the table. To stay at the table with the people that God has put in our lives. And so we don't abandon them. We don't leave them. Um, and, and we do understand sometimes people are just doing what they know to do. It's kind of like the old um, saying, hurt people, hurt people. 
Well, I would say free people, free people. Healthy people make people around them healthy. Uh, And so a lot of people, they don't have an understanding of what it means to be strong. You know, they've heard their whole life, buck it up, you know, suck it up, lace up your boots, you know, don't show any cracks or dings or weakness in your armor, show no weakness, don't let people see you sweat. Have you ever heard any of that? That's not, that's not what we're talking about when we look at biblical-based strength. Because the reality is this, you're going to go through some valleys in life, you're going to need some people around you that when you are, don't have the strength to hold your hands up, that they're around you and they help you hold your hands up when you can't do it for yourself. And so Timothy, as I said, he's feeling like a failure. His church seems to be falling apart. This was the church that he was in, inherited from his spiritual father who was you know, going gangbuster and the church was exploding with growth and he hands it off to this young man and it's Timothy's first pastorate, and he's not doing so hot. Some people are really causing division in the church, and, and so he doesn't know what to do. And in 2 Timothy 2.1, he receives the letter, and it says this, Thou therefore, my son, this is Paul writing to him, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. That is what we're going to break down over the next few minutes. So the word strong in the Greek is the word endumanio. And I may be saying that incorrectly, but roll with me for a minute. It's not as much on the having the right emphasis on the right syllable. It is more uh, breaking down the definition of what this word means. And it means to be empowered or to be made. And if you're taking notes, I would underline the word made strong. If you refer to your Bible and you understand that this Greek word is actually made up of two other Greek words, in and dunamis, in means en. It means this, to go into, or I-N, to go in. And the word dunamis is explosive. It means explosive strength or the ability under power. It's where we get the word dynamite. You see this over in Acts. Uh, And so this word, when you put it together, it represents explosive power that is deposited into a container or a vessel or some other form of receptacle for a purpose. Another word, it is power that's packed inside of a vessel or a container for a specific purpose. But you don't do the packing of the power. The Lord packs the power inside of you. And so I would just say, there's more in you than you even know is there. Have you ever been through uh, something in life, and I'm not talking about just a little blip in the road. I'm talking about you got sucker punched. I mean, something hits you in life that you did not see coming to the fact it took the wind out of your cell. And you thought it was going to be what took you out, but little did you know, you stayed in the fight. And you learned through that that there was more in you than you realized was there. 
Well, the battle that I've had with my health since 2004, there's a few times where the enemy has really tried to take me out. And there was a strength that would arise on the inside of me that was a strength that was not of me, but it was strength that was in me. And I'm just going to ask that you listen with kingdom ears for a moment. There is a great difference of strength that's of me versus strength that's in me. The in me strength comes from the Lord. That's the Lord understanding of the things that we're going to go through. And so he packs the power of the kingdom of God into your vessel so that it doesn't crush you. Now, know this, the number one thing that the enemy always goes for first in your life is your joy, because the joy of the Lord is your strength, and he understands if he takes your joy, he takes your strength. If he takes your strength, you stop fighting. If you stop fighting, he wins. So you have to guard the joy of the Lord in your life, and joy is not a feeling. Joy is a choice. Joy is basing your life upon biblical perspective, and no matter where you find yourself, no matter what trial you're going through, you choose to have joy. So you choose to believe the Word of God, even when you don't see the Word of God being lived out in your life. And so when you're praying and nothing's changing, and you're praying and nothing's changing, but you still believe that God is who He said He is. And so you choose joy. That is what packs this endunamis, this endunamo, endunama, this power inside of your vessel. Now, knowing this, that's not based upon emotion. That, my friend, is based upon truth. So let's take a break, and when we come back from the break, we are going to break down these seven things of what it means to be strong. But for now, enjoy this word on the break. Looking for another spiritual growth opportunity? Then check out our friend Pastor A.B. Bennett's blog, Be the Tree Devos, at bethetreedevos.com. All right, welcome back. So, what does it mean to be strong? That is when you submit your life to Christ. And then you apply the kingdom principles that he's teaching you through his word. He says this in the New Testament. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you do not do what I say? Now that word Lord, that's a kingdom word, man. The word Lord means owner. So he's saying, why do you say I'm your owner? I'm your owner, but you don't even do what I tell you to do. He says, you're a liar. He says, I don't even know you. He says, don't say I own you, but you're not even willing to apply what I'm teaching you and telling you to do. Now, that's convicting, but here's the real. If you've ever done that, you can repent, you can get your life right with that, and you can straighten it out, and you can begin to apply the kingdom concepts and principles that he teaches us in the Word of God. You can begin to apply what he's talking to you about right now today through prayer, and you can reverse that, and you can fix it. You can make him Lord of your life today. And so when you do this, that is what we call surrender. That is what Paul calls in the New Testament, dying to yourself daily. 
That, my friend, is where strength comes from. So, the command be strong, as I said, it's continuous throughout the Word of God, and I believe this is for a few reasons. So, let me give you seven of them, and then we will bounce out of here. We will exit the table today, and hopefully you will exit the table encouraged encouraged and equipped. And I just ask that uh, if you are encouraged and equipped, you'd share this episode with a friend. So, Seven reasons why I believe we're told to be strong. Number one, and these all start with ours. I believe uh, we are told to be strong because it makes us real. Real. R-E-A-L. How many of you know, man, life is tough. The journey of life is hard, and we will suffer on this journey many setbacks and losses on the journey. Now, you're going to have victories, you're going to have successes, you're going to have celebrations and moments, but there's also the real of life. And the real of life is in order to live, you've got to figure out how to be strong. You've got to figure out what to do when the enemy lands a punch on you. Do you lay down? Do you get down? Or how do you even get back up? How you get back up? is when you understand that life is real. So I've heard people say, well, why, do, uh, why does bad things happen to good people? You know, And if you go and you look in your word, it says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Here's the real. The real is we live in a fallen world. The real is not everything that takes place is of the devil. Not everything that takes place uh, is just because God has, is doing this to you. The real is we live in a fallen world and men and women have free will. And so you've got to learn how to be strong. If you don't learn how to be strong whenever it comes to the real of life, you will find yourself always drifting, always uh, floating around in, in transition, always leaving tables that God told you to stay at, always getting offended, always getting upset, always getting hurt, always getting mad. Why? Because you haven't learned the reality that life is real. And so you have to get in your word to become strong that when the enemy comes at you with the real of life, you have some substance in you. So number one, you have to be strong because life is real. Number two, I believe you have to be strong because it allows you to refocus. Know this, the enemy that we fight does not fight fair. And he's always trying to take you out. He's he's not just trying to knock you down, he's trying to take you out. And he understands that there are no rules of war, according to him. And so he will violate any kingdom principle or law that we allow him to violate. Now, we must understand that whenever we tap into the strength of the Lord, it allows us to refocus. It allows us to understand, for example, when your boss or your brother or your sister or your spouse uh, or your pastor, uh, or your president, uh, really ticks you off and makes you mad, you have to understand they're not the enemy. 
See, the Bible says we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but principalities and empowers. Ephesians chapter 6. What are they saying? Refocus. Refocus. Instead of getting ticked off, instead of getting upset, instead of doing something you're going to regret later, later, instead of saying something you're going to regret later, instead of leaving the table, instead of pouting and walking off, instead of leaving the job, how about you tap into the word of God, into the power of God, into the strength of God, and you allow God to refocus you at the table. Number three. When we are full of the strength of the Lord, it allows us to reset. See, strength comes when discipline marries maturity and strength and, and experience. So we get strength from the Lord when the discipline in our life marries the experience in our life, or I would say the maturity in our life. It produces a biblical-based strength. So when you go through something and you discipline yourself with the word of God, the next time you go through it, it's a little bit easier. And the next time it's a little bit easier. Let me tell you a personal story. So my daughter, she's had multiple back surgeries. She's had uh, over 15 back surgeries. And a couple surgeries ago, she had a procedure done and they had told us when she had this procedure done, there was the possibility uh, that it could affect her legs and she may never walk again. Now, they tell us this with every back surgery she has, um, and we've never had an issue with this in the past, but this particular time, uh, she came out of surgery and she could not feel her legs, and there was some alarm with that, uh, a little bit of concern from the doctors. But panic began to set in as a father. And so what happened was Everything that they warned us could happen. It seemed like it was happening, and my daughter could not feel her legs. Therefore, she could not get up. She could not walk. And we were moving into a time zone where they was like, this should be coming back. She should have filling by now. And so we had been through this, like I said, multiple times in the past, ever without an issue. But this time was different. And so rather than me tapping into the strength of the Lord like you know, I knew I should do, rather than me uh, tapping into the Word of God and standing on the Word of God, which I would have loved to tell you, you know, a mighty man of God, that's what I would have done and I did do. And, but that's not what I did. I, I began to panic. Um, and so what I did was I called my spiritual father and I said, Hey man, uh, I was in Omaha, Nebraska. That's where we were living at the time. And he was back in Illinois. I said, I called him. I said, Hey, uh, this is what's going on. And I'll never forget how he handled the situation with such experience or maturity and wisdom, but married to the discipline that he had in his heart and his life. He said, we do not live on emotion." He said, what does the word of God say? And I said, you know, I, I gave him the promises of God and the word of God that we'd been standing on. And he said, well, that's what we stand on. We prayed by the end of our prayer, feeling it come back in her legs. She was perfectly fine. Uh, everything uh, lined up the way it was supposed to. And so what had happened was when I called him, the strength that was inside of him reset some things inside of me. You need people around you that are strong in the Lord because there will be moments where you're weak and that the strength that is in them taps into the strength that is in you and it resets you. See, when we lose our strength, as I said, we lose our life. We begin to fade. We surrender. We drift. 
Sometimes we even lose caring. And weakness blurs our perspective in life. But the kingdom man and woman walks in confidence, not in arrogance, but in confidence, because they have an inner strength that they tap into. And sometimes you just need someone to walk alongside you and help reset that. Another time I remember I was in the hospital myself uh, dealing with this disease that I fight. And uh, I had been in the hospital for a few weeks. And the same man, my spiritual father, he, I remember he walked into the room and I was feeling pretty down, uh, pretty discouraged. I'd been in a pretty long battle. And he looked at me when he came in the room and he said, shut up. And I remember like, wow, what a greeting. And what he was saying was, don't say a word. Because he knew if I spoke, I was going to say the wrong words. And he just began to prophesy over me. And by the time he left the room, I had such an inner strength that uh, had arisen on the inside of me that I turned a curve that day, mentally and, and physically. What happened? Well, God sent somebody that was strong into my life that reset me with truth. So the things we learn from being strong in the Lord is it's real. It refocuses us. It resets us. Number four, it reminds us. We must also notice that as fellow believers, we must remind one another of what God has done and what he's promised he'll do. And that builds an inner faith or an inner strength inside of us. This is what Paul was doing to Timothy. And I love their relationship because later in, in, in the, the story of Timothy, you find out Paul's about to be beheaded. And he finds out Timothy's not doing so hot. And he's a little discouraged. And so the night before he's beheaded, he actually writes Timothy a letter. And that'll be on another podcast. That's an incredible example of leadership. He was more focused on his disciple, making sure he was okay, than his self. Uh, but he leaves him uh, with encouragement to be strong and to strengthen and make for sure his disciple is, is ready. See, you need people in your life. You need mentors in your life, people that can speak truth when you're believing a lie, people that can help lift the weight off of you when it's too heavy. They can help you uh, put the weight where it needs to be on Christ when it's too heavy. They can help walk you through the battles. What are they doing? They're, they're being a reminder of the faithfulness of the Lord, the goodness of God. And they're reminding you of the word and of truth. Number five, I believe being strong is about relationship. See, where you draw your strength from depends on how long you'll last in the fight of life. If you are drawing your strength from those around you and you're not drawing your strength from a personal devotion time with the Lord Jesus Christ, you're plugged into the wrong source. Now, I've already told you on this episode, I believe relationship with those around you is essential. Uh, I think that it is unbiblical to do life alone. And so I, I, I personally believe, I'm a big believer in relationship. I I pastor at the church I'm on staff at, leading life groups and discipleship, and I pound the drum of relationship. No one was meant to do this journey alone. 
However, I would say men and women in relationships were never, ever intended to replace the personal relationship we're to have with Christ. And so you need to have a daily relationship with the King of Kings. You need to understand who he says you are, what he says you are. You need to understand who you are and whose you are. And so it, that is allowing you to hook the, the life support of your life up to his eternal kingdom. So where you draw your strength determines how long you'll last. Number six, I believe it is important that we are strong because it's rewarding. It gives reward. It brings rewards because it builds confidence in us and confidence builds a, a boldness in us, which allows us to walk in the authority that God has given us. And that's the authority that puts the kingdom to fly, the kingdom of God uh, to, to, to uh, order and puts the enemy to flight. See, the enemy, the only things he understands is somebody with a bigger stick. The only thing he understands, he, he doesn't care. Listen, if you quote scripture, if you don't believe scripture, and he knows the difference. He knows if you're just saying something or if you actually believe it. And what happens is the reward of God builds confidence inside of you because you look back over his faithfulness. And if you've never journaled, this is why I would encourage you a million times over to journal because it reminds you of the rewards of what God has done in your life. And, and looking at those, the, in the Old Testament, they, they did the same thing. They just called it building altars. In the New Testament, as they wrote the word of God, had they not recorded the, the word of God, journaled the word of God, um, recording the rewards of God, the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God, uh, we would be in really a lot of trouble today. But because they took the time to do that, uh, we see how God rewards faithfulness. And that builds faith inside of us, which gives us more strength. And so when God asks you to do something small, and you do that, and then he rewards you for doing that, with more faith to ask for something a little more, and then he rewards you for, for that um, when you do that, for faith to ask for a little more and a little more and a little more. And then sooner or later, he's asking you to do something that sounds ridiculously impossible, but you look back and you meditate on the rewards of God in your life, the faithfulness and goodness of God in your life, and it gives you a new level of strength. And then lastly, I would say this, it resets you. So it's real, it refocuses you, it resets you, it reminds you, it's relationship, it rewards you. And then lastly, I would say it resets you again. And you say, wait a second, we already covered this. Yes, we did, but uh, I want to go over this again. Um, and Because this reset, it resets you, and this is the other part of this, it resets you to rest. So the first one is it resets you to back to the place where you're supposed to be. The last reset is to a place of rest. You understand that God said that he worked seven days and then he rested one. Why? He needed to rebuild the strength. And I'm not saying God ever gets weak, but he was teaching us a kingdom principle. He was saying we need to rest. See, we are to rest when we are out of strength or when we are getting weak. But what we tend to do is when we're weak, we tend to freak. And when we freak, we panic. And when we panic, we make bad decisions. And bad decisions cost us. Weakness travels with its cousins. 
fear, doubt, worry, and frustration. However, when we are strong like Jesus, we travel through storms, but we can still rest because we know whose we are and who we are, and we know the enemy can't take us out as long as we're in the Lord's boat. So we can sleep in the Lord when we're, we're uh, resting in his strength because we know he's resetting things as we rest. You know why we don't rest? This is the reality. We don't rest because we don't trust. I want you to meditate on that. The ultimate sign of trust is rest. It's knowing if I kick back, God's got this and I'm still okay. Some of the greatest men in the Bible had to learn this. Moses had to remember this as he faced Pharaoh in his assignment. See, he never asked for the assignment, but he did understand this. The people's freedom was based upon the decision of his strength and what he would do. And can I just tell you this? Some people's freedom and breakthrough is connected directly to your strength. The discipline of you doing what you're supposed to be doing daily with God and building an inner strength with God, you will lead people out of captivity just because you're disciplining yourself to do what you're supposed to do. Joshua, he, he had to learn this. I mean, he had to whisper those words when he was in the garden and there was fruits and enemies the size of giants. Daniel, when he went into the lion's den, I imagine he had to have that inner strength where he whispered to himself, God's got this. Be strong, Daniel. Or Joseph, when he was falsely imprisoned and convicted, and he knew that that was certain to lead to a death sentence because you did not touch the Pharaoh's property, let alone his wife that he was falsely accused of touching. And so he had to have an inner strength that arose from the inside. Or what of Elisha, who was surrounded by the enemy and he was about to be taken out? And the way I like to remember the story of Elisha, just because of where I'm from, I imagine Elisha's like an old hillbilly sitting on the, the front porch of his log cabin and his, his servant comes to him and says, we're about to die. Look out there on the hillside. All around us is the enemy. And Elisha says, Lord, open his eyes. Lord, let him see what you see. Let him see what you're showing me. Greater are those that's around us and with us than the enemy that's about to attack us. And so with that, the Lord opens the servant's eyes and while they're sitting there, I believe, on that porch, he sees angels everywhere. And it builds a confidence that servant realized that day that life is real. He was refocused. He was reset. He was reminded he had relationship with Elisha and the Lord. And so he was rewarded with rest there on the porch that day. He didn't even have to lift a sword. He didn't have to fight a battle because he became strong. See, who you are is who you reproduce. His servant was watching him. Lord, Open our eyes. What a prayer. That's a good prayer for today. And then what of Jesus when he's sleeping in the storm on the sea and the disciples are weak and so they're freaking out and Jesus just whispers, be still. What happened? He tapped into his strength. 
Or what of Paul and Silas who knows they're about to be put to death and they begin to sing at the midnight hour in a jail cell and all of those in the jail cell's shackles fell off as the prison collapses. And what happened? Their breakthrough was based upon Paul and Silas' strength. Or Stephen as he's about to be stoned. And he asked the Lord to forgive those that is killing him. Wow, what strength. Or John. The Bible records he was dipped in a uh, boiling pot of tar. And while he's going into this boiling pot of tar, history records that he preached from this boiling vat. And when they pulled him out of the boiling vat of tar, not one blemish was on his skin. What strength. See, death and distraction, they chase us our whole life. They're going to come for you. But know this. They are here today. They're nipping at your heels. But greater is he that is within you than he that is within the world, my friend. So I would encourage you, be strong. Stop running. Turn and face the enemy. Don't put a wishbone where a backbone's supposed to be. Know whose you are and who you are. Be strong. This isn't a suggestion, it's a command. This is a command because God knows who you are and he knows what he's packed down inside of you. So when you don't know what to do, hold your ground. Be strong. Well, that's all the time we got today. Thanks for joining us on this episode of The Table. If you've been blessed, please like this episode and share it with a friend. And we'll see you right back here next time on another episode at The Table.